Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. Today, we explore how technology can be leveraged to strengthen the culture and productivity of a hybrid or remote team. And we're also going to talk about how do you facilitate impactful leadership development and ongoing education through technology. And as you have heard me say so many times before, my favorite expression, knowledge has a shelf life. And as leaders, we should, well, quite frankly, individuals too, we should always be learning ABL, and you'll hear our guests, you know, talk more about that today. We need to be elevating our leadership skills, and we need to just continually be expanding our knowledge. So stick around today for this discussion, because you are going to leave all the wiser with approaches that you can leverage and adapt to better lead your own hybrid and remote team and organization as well as how you can do a better job developing your own and your team's leadership development and success. But we all know I am a numbers geek. So I'm going to, I'm going to frame the reality of, you know, you hear people say, Hey, is this hybrid remote thing ever going to go away? Yeah, no, it's not. And let me share with you why. So I've got some great stats here that I dug up. Okay. So the first during COVID 19, over 70% of full-time workers were working from home. After COVID-19, 92% of people surveyed expect to work from home at least one day per week, and 80% expect to work remotely at least three days from home per week. This is where you know people are not going to back down from this, and they have reset their expectations with their employers. 23% of those surveyed said they would take a 10% pay cut to work from home permanently. Now, the other thing, layer on top of that, for those that have worked at home, they save money. So people are saving on average close to $500 per month which is close to $6,000 per year. That's a lot of money, right? For a family and a household. Yeah, my, my guests are going, you know, mucho dinero here, right? Yeah, that to me was just so fascinating. Um, 81% of them said they believe that their employer is going to continue to do it. And 60% of them said, hey, they're more likely to choose an employer who offered remote work compared to those who don't. Okay, so they want it. They're saying that's what they're looking for. Let's hear if the companies say they're going to do it. Mercer study said 94% of their employers stated that work productivity was the same or higher since employees started working from home. And so they're going to continue to offer it. All right. So what are then, what are the benefits though to the company? This was what I thought was as equally fascinating as how much people saved by themselves working at home. But employers can save over $11,000 per year. It's because of lower cost of office space, 
increased productivity, reduced absenteeism, and less turnover. And basically, what, what your employees see is they've gained, on average, 40 minutes a day because they've been able to you know, alter their, their travel and logistics associated with this. And then on top of that, you've got the benefits to the environment, right? Most people are traveling through you know, private vehicles. This was all just super, super fascinating to me. So given that, okay, we're basically hearing that like this is not going away. Employees are con- going to continue to need and want it. There are benefits to them. The, their employers have clear benefits and they're going to need to provide it. So how do we best support it? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I am Sarah Alter, your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am humbly joined by the incredible guests, um, Denise Bruder, founder and head of data and insights for Sway Workplace, and Todd Moran, chief learning strategist at NovoEd. Um, welcome, Todd, and welcome, Denise. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All righty. So, Denise, let's hear your story, your personal and professional journey, and most importantly, all about Sway Workplace. Yeah. So good morning, Sarah. And thanks for having me on. This is my love is having these kinds of conversations. It gets me so fired up um, because I found my own sense of personal purpose in kind of advancing these new ways of working and making flexible work the norm. It feels so real and good to me and my team. And we are on a mission. So just by way of background, I actually have a background on Wall Street and operations and finance for the first half of my career, which is a wonderful set of skills to develop. Halfway through, I decided I really wanted to be an innovator, and I moved into the startup world, which is just a very different world, and talk about a different kind of environment where we'd have manic Mondays and terrific Tuesdays, the highs and lows of startup work, but you learn so much from the hustle and all the ebb and flow of the style of work. So I have a wonderful background from both sides of kind of the the work world. Um, in early 2019, I stumbled upon the phrase, the future of work, and I was glued to the spot. I was a future of work. What is this thing, the future of work? So I jumped in. I did a lot of academic and market research, and I understood really clearly at that moment that looking ahead, I felt really strongly that we were about we were on a paradigm shift, the precipice of a paradigm shift. So to what you mentioned earlier, for me, like what Microsoft Office did for the world of work, I think this shift is the same kind of dramatic impact into new ways of working. So me and my team jumped in and we started developing a learning and development solution that helps people, teams, and leaders really understand how to work in a hybrid world of work. And that's what our love and passion is. So we train people and we coach people on these new ways of working so that we can drive our individual and team performance. And that at some point, hybrid work will just become work. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and as, as our community has heard us say, Time after time now, more recently, like we're here through Next Up, through our mission, we're here to transform the norm right there with you, right? It's, you know, the old way pre-COVID clearly doesn't work anymore. The way during COVID doesn't work anymore. And so I love that, you know, you and your incredible organization are really helping to reshape, you know, how, you know, we can have a new norm, you know, so, so how you can enjoy your life 
your family and your job at the same time. So thank you, Denise. Amazing. Um, So Todd, let's hear your story. (laughs) Uh, Greetings all. Good, good, wonderful to be with you today. So I I too share a passion and a mission and and mine, a bit of a meandering path, but this idea of continuous learning and development, probably being the single soul driving force to uplift all. And that's been a sort of personal and professional mission that I've had since, um, you know, back in the the late 90s when I took my first sort of official gig out of um, undergrad in helping to form OBP, Outward Bound Professional. This was the professional arm of uh, basically uh, Outward Bound around how do you reach uh, teams and talk about, you know, sensitive topics like um, uh, diversity and inclusion and leadership development and uh, addressing, you know, unconscious bias and, you know, doing that back then as a 22-year-old sort of this big epiphany for me as we met with huge financial services firms and big manufacturing organizations was this idea of continuous learning is, is really that sole piece that helps solve and address for the future, I think, and like, unlike any other skill. And I know we'll probably get into some of the stats. Um, Denise, you and I were chatting yesterday about uh, some of the pieces published out of the future jobs report from WEF, the World Economic Forum, and you know what are those top skills? And there's some really intriguing ones that might not be the ones you think of, but um, that sort of set me on a path. I, I lived and breathed on the customer side for quite a uh, a long time driving large-scale L&D initiatives at various multinational organizations. I did um, the startup piece as well, so I know the feverish pace that that can be um, and the incredible rewards and highs that can come from that. And then about um, eight years ago, I pivoted. I pivoted from the customer side to the vendor technology side, recognizing that the power of technology, when used wisely, can have uh, when it comes to collaboration, when it comes to communication, when it comes to continuous learning. And that sort of set me on a path of a couple different organizations, um, the most recent of which I've landed at and I think has an unbelievable purpose at NovoEd around a deep capability building platform to collectively uplift all. And, and we're doing it through social and collaborative, a piece that I think we've gotten away from is, is sort of a, as a world, as a set of organizations, let's just throw content at people and hope, hope they get it, hope they figure it out. <laughs> uh, and, and I think our mission is to say, listen, we are social beings and the nature of, of learning needs to be social. And we, if anything, in that digital environment to support that, which is this now never normal, Sarah, that you were alluding to at the outset, um, is a huge part of sort of why, why I'm here and, and why NovoEd exists. So, it, Yeah. And, and in our, our initial, like, you know, first prep session, you know, both Denise and Todd were like, hey, the, the two worlds intersect, right? Mm-hmm. Working is learning and learning is working. And, and the key thing, and I loved it, that you both agreed on unanimously was it's all about cohort learning. To your point, right, Todd? You don't just throw content at people and say, hey, engage and you'll learn. It needs to be an experience and it needs to be like in a, in a, in a community base. And so you're, you're going to hear more about that, everybody who's listening. And it's very clear, you know, they're both incredible thought leaders, but um, we're going to lean on Denise here today to really speak to, okay, beyond that flexibility and scheduling, you know, the unique benefits that you're going to need to support, you know, a, a hybrid environment. How does technology play a role? right? You know, very specifically. And then we're going to lean into Todd on, okay, now learning, how can we learn more uniquely virtually and through cohort-based experiences? But Denise, set the stage for, and I, and I shared a bunch of those stats, which clearly, 
reinforce, like it's here to stay. So if you haven't figured it out yet, work hard to, can you set the stage for what you've seen and in, in the partnerships that you've had through the years through Sway? So Bra, I couldn't agree with you more that hybrid and remote work is here to stay. I, you know, it's brought up a lot of tension because this shift is simply going to be iteration and take time and some patience and some reconfiguration until we get it right. Um, and that can cause kind of ill feelings towards it. However, it is the greatest thing that has ever happened to us. Truly, yeah. the greatest oh, thing agree. people and communities, the greatest thing is to be moving to these new ways of working. So if your question is about technology, I'm probably the opposite of Todd in some ways <laughs> in that I'm more anti-tech. Just to throw that one out there, you know, we live in this world where we revere technology like it's a god to the point that we've forgotten who we are as people. And the technology yeah. is here to yeah. serve us, not for us to serve technology. So I think one of the greatest things to come out of this kind of experience of the last two years is this awareness like, wow, I actually really like people. I like being around my colleagues. I like being with people, but not all the time. So when we understand that some of our life and work is best spent solo alone in remote locations, and some of our work is best spent together with people in a room sharing coffee, then we, we divide this different layer of intelligence around what technology means to us. So when I look ahead and I look around and I evaluate new technology coming onto the market, I only look for one thing. Is the technology built on the premise of giving an individual optionality and choice? Because if I can choose where I work, when I work, how I collaborate, how I share, yeah. then I have autonomy. And if I have autonomy, I have freedom. And if I have freedom, I have everything that I need. So that's kind of the principle of which I look at any tech solution. And then does it serve me by allowing me that kind of choice and autonomy? So there's cool and amazing products that are coming onto the market right now. And a lot of them have huge hope in allowing us to collaborate and build connection and culture and sensitivities to each other when we're physically separated. But conversely, that only makes sense if we have opportunity to also be together physically and communicate in those ways. So it's about getting a sweet balance in between that allows the individual to choose where the best work can be done. That to me is where the real win is. What, what has been one of your biggest surprises? Like, I, like, it just amazes me that this can happen through technology in that spirit. And I loved how you said where technology is here to serve us, right? It's here to, you know, bring our strategy to life, our brand to life. And I, and I couldn't agree more. And I see Todd, you know, shaking his head. Yes, too. But like, what has been one of those biggest surprises where it's like, who to thunk technology could ever facilitate this, like in that hybrid world? Probably the one that comes to mind is um, we were working with a team in a large matrix organization in New York recently, and we were sitting around a table kind of rolling up our sleeves and the nuts and bolts of building hybrid. And the team very unanimous, unanimously said, you know what, we're just going to say it. We have hybrid, but we don't have freedom. And I was blown away because I'm like, wow, what a strong statement to make. And I said, well, how can we self-correct for that? Like, what if my technology was available in an app form on my phone so that I could go for a walking meeting or do have some flexibility during the day where I could respond to a message at the place where I am, which allows me to decouple my work from my desktop so I can move around more freely and build some right. kind of fluidity right. into my day. So to me, I was like, look at that. We had that technology at our fingertips. We need to redevelop a new perspective on how we use tech to allow a different flow in our hybrid world of work. Sometimes it's actually just using what we have, but changing our perspective on how we put it into play in our day to day. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that was like the premise for why we started, 
you know, this partnership with Voice America, the the radio show and the podcast, because we had members saying, yeah, can't Zoom anymore after six o'clock every day. <laughs> like, had my fill. Um, Todd, how about you? Because you said something, too, in our prep session that I loved, where the, the, the most challenging part is that the meetings all feel the same. You know, the Zoom or the team calls all feel the same. So speak to us about what you've seen unfold, you know, in the Novo Ed world. Yeah, I think this this idea that, you know, think about, you know, we've all collectively continued to live, you know, globally at scale through the greatest shared experience in human history and the nature of what is COVID. And you shared think about experience. something like Zoom, it's unbelievable power or teams or whatever your video conferencing tool is of choice. Pick your poison, uh, right? Your poison. Yeah. Yeah. It has an incredible <laughs> power to 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 bring together and to create an additional level of shared experience and connection. But boy, for certain swaths of the population and introverts, it is a brutally challenging piece when your entire day is spent on that. And then the idea that your your 10 a.m. staffing meeting looks just like your 12 p.m. leadership development execution is deeply problematic. And I think folks that for the first six to nine months said, ah, I'm just going to wait for this return to instructor-led training and we can bring everybody back. Mm -hmm. I'll just cobble it together and I'll hunker down and we'll get through. People after a year and a half, you know, 24 months have said enough. These have to be different. I need the, the human physical connection. If we can make that happen, Denise, to your point, but I also need this flexibility. And I think that's a lot of what, you know, we're trying to solve platform-wise and a lot of what, you know, some of our biggest clients, um, you know, we, we've got one largest building materials manufacturer in the in the world is taking an approach about making purpose their sole defining focus of their learning program and allowing that purpose of self, purpose of team, purpose of org, and purpose of you know sort of the broader ecosystem that they serve. And a big solve for that is sort of a, a revisitation of what could a modern corporate university look like. Does it always have to be forced, fixed, in person? These named people in this location at this moment in time, or could we introduce possibilities for on demand, asynchronous? Yes, cohort and social, but at the time and the place that works for me. And I think that that's so so important is that we stop equating content with learning, <laughs> consumption with mastery, and skills with capability, and think about creating that sense of flexibility through tech about contribution at the moment and the time that makes sense to me. And there's a whole bunch of learning science. I won't get too in the weeds about it, but you know, there's a realism behind that about space learning and iterative application and addressing the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve. There's reasons why you do this, why you don't force people into the same live dialogue all the time. So exactly. And what's fascinating, though, is to loop back on what you just shared with that one partner. It's it's not the IQ or the hardcore skills that you're seeing a shift towards. It's the it's the EQ. Right. It's the we had a speaker a couple of years back at our um, one of our conferences and it was the CQ. So your communication quotient. So dig a little bit more into that. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I think that's probably one of the biggest trends we've seen across our install base that probably predated slightly COVID, candidly. It's not that COVID <laughs> changed everything for uh, workplace learning and professional development, but this idea that we thought we needed skills. We thought we needed STEM skills more explicitly. Right. So let's focus on right. blockchain, tech. cloud, yeah. and tech. And that's what we, we need everyone uh, to learn how to code in Python. No, that like that is 100% <laughs> not, not the path. Yes, digital literacy is important. Things like cybersecurity, as evidence 
by war in Ukraine and the potential concern around large-scale corporations, you know, around the world. But really, the skills that are that are the most important are all around it. And I think Denise, you nailed this with some of the additional reporting on OF is the critical thinking, the resiliency, the adaptability, and the number two one is sort of the meta skill of all, which is this ability to learn to sort of develop yeah. that. Those being sort of the most important and particularly for leadership. I know probably got folks tuning in today that are focused on that piece of it, right? Yes, you need to know classic leadership constructs around feedback, but it's so much more about adaptability, resiliency, empathetic listening. Those are the those are the really critical skills that need to be um, edifying leaders. And 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 I love that because to that point it's not like you can read it and you <laughs> learn it and you have it, right? And so I imagine what's been embedded in a lot of what you do and it's what we do at Next Step. So like in our allyship journey and community, we, we talk about many EQ leadership concepts, but then we say, okay, go put it into practice. So you have homework. So this next month, you know, in a meeting, you need to call out somebody and shine the spotlight in them in a positive way and support, you know, it's like actually putting it into practice. And again, it ties back to, in a cohort setting, you know, being a part of a team, being a part of a group. And 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 leaders are like, they're only going to be as su- successful as their team, right? Without doubt. Right. So it's it's love it. Oh gosh. No, it, it it's just so fascinating. It's it's interesting um when you referenced that like if I'm more of an introvert versus an extrovert, is this newer hybrid or remote situation more challenging for me? I did have the first conference that we did virtual, I had a number of our members reach out and they said, hey, you know, Sarah, I'm I'm a painful introvert. And now the fact that like, I don't have to go to this thousand person conference and mix and mingle and I can do it quietly and selectively. I love this. However, you know, flash forward, you, you, you've both brought it up. You, you still need to have that innate ability and desire and comfort level to now engage and network. You, you, you have to take that proactive stance because it's just not going to happen, right? You know, it may happen more naturally if you go to a face-to-face environment, but here it just won't happen. So I imagine too, a lot of networking and breakout components are included, Denise and Todd, in what you do. Yeah. And, you know, just to back up what Todd said there, and we talked about that the future of work and the future of learning are two sides of the same coin. I think one of the biggest observations we've had in our work is that people are stepping away and realizing that work is not who I am. It's something I do to discover who I am. And I think we talk about the cues and we have this own kind of line of thought within Sway on the reimagination of human intelligence. And Todd, to your point, we used to think of intelligence as the acquisition of this linear acquisition of external skills and badges. But truly what our belief is, is that real human intelligence is the density of your awareness to your own potential. And I think that people are moving along that arc to really begin to understand what is my potential. And we leave a lot on the table. If you imagine like an iceberg, there's so much more under the water in us than we typically can bring out. And I think that this reimagination of learning is so important because we can spark that internal curiosity and implement that ABL model, always be learning, whether you're reading the back of a cereal box or a white paper, you're going to discover other parts of yourself through the language of your work. And I think that that's what a lot of people are moving towards. So the reimagination of learning is so important in this arc of change. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. And it, it, we're also in, in parallel increasingly partnering now, you know, with those who, who are a part of our, our next up community focusing not only like on their corporate teams, but now in their field-based teams. So that's where this beautiful hybrid environment and, and learning platform like a NovoEd, where you can serve not only, you know, your corporate and HQ employees, but is equally important those who are out in the field, right? Like in a store or in a manufacturing plant or, you know, in a DC. That's um, one of can I share no, real Todd, quick? go ahead, please, please seconds. jump in. Of That's course. probably the other biggest theme. That if I were to share another trend, uh, picking up on what Denise was saying and what you just alluded to, is what are we seeing across from a leadership perspective across you know sort of our global install base and, and others is the democratization of access to leadership development from frontline mm-hmm. to C-suite. That's probably the single biggest piece. What was Amen. once the sort of the remit or purview or you know sort of accessible component of a select few is now a recognition that, oh my Lord, if we're going to address the challenges that lie ahead, irrespective of industry or vertical, we better make, <laughs> sort yeah. of democratize yeah. that access. And we did some great yeah. research with Brandon Hall on that. I'll, I'll share that as part of the resources, but great point. Yeah, no, because all employees are equally valued. Right, they play different roles in different locations, but that democratization is so so key. All right, so we're going to take a short commercial break, and I want to thank everybody who's been listening in so far to our Advancing All Women Radio Show and Podcast. We will be back, so don't leave us because when we return, we're going to dive into what are some successful approaches in how to best leverage technology in supporting that hybrid working and learning environment and best approaches that you can then adapt, you know, depending on your, you know, culture and strategy and environment, but don't leave us because this, this next session is the money session. So we'll be back. For over 20 years, Next Up has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and and in the next, members of Next Up gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities. Get best-in-class leadership development opportunities and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and B and leadership. Join Next Up today. Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. Today, we are discussing successful approaches and how to best leverage technology in supporting hybrid working and learning environments. And I am joined by the incredible Denise Bruder, founder and head of data and insights for Sway Workplace, and Todd Moran, chief learning strategist at Novo Ed. All righty. So this is the money session. This is where we share what everybody's been waiting to hear. They are poised. Okay. So Denise, let's let's start with you um, and that hybrid, you know, working approach or environment? What are those top three or four key things that leaders need to be thinking about? Okay. So I have a couple of things to add here on this. One is an observation, one's a comment, and then one's a practical technique because there's some shifting right now. The context of the change makes, and that's how change makes sense. The first thing is to notice that the biggest observation we've taken from working across the board of orgs of all size is that while it feels like nothing has changed, we're the same people in the same orgs, in the same four walls, working on the same projects, yet everything is different. And so that kind of nuance can feel very confusing. And that's where we're learning new things. And what we've uncovered from that point is that people on mass have realized that it just doesn't have to be this hard. It being life and work and how it comes together. And we're searching for these new ways of working to solve for that. And I bring that observation up Mm -hmm. simply to say that there is simply is no going back. We can only move forward. You cannot compete with that feeling. You can only innovate and reprocess around it in a go forward strategy. The second thing I want to mention here is that the greatest thing that's happening right now, the most prevalent emergent trend is not kind of a discussion about where do I drop my laptop and for how many days of the week. But it's the emergence of personal responsibility is the biggest shift that is happening. Meaning when we shift people into distributed workplace environments, we're giving the individual worker an enormous amount of responsibility that previously rested with a company and a central HQ. So that personal sense of personal responsibility for the individual as the workforce is a huge component, like setting my own work environment, figuring out how I show up in my hybrid work week. So I mentioned those two as contextual points to help make more sense of the shift that we're moving into. And then on the more practical side, I mentioned earlier, I'm actually not a huge tech advocate. We actually reverse. We say, simplify your tech stack, like reduce the amount of tools of where work gets done so that when Mm -hmm. you work together, it's more seamless and onboarding people's easier. Find those valuable tools that make a single source of truth where in distributed environment, I know where I can go to get the information I need when I need it. It saves a lot of time and effort and distraction. The other thing to note is that this new model of work is distinctly new and different from both traditional and the last two plus years in remote. Hybrid as it's designed to be is a whole new mindset and a whole new set of techniques and bundled together is simply a new skill set. 
even adopting the workflow of sync and async, which is new news for a lot of people, is actually the cornerstone of hybrid work strategy. So simplifying your tech stack, explicitly naming your communication protocols amongst the distributed team, designing a hybrid workflow that is embedded on sync and async will allow any team to thrive in the future of their work. So give an example of how you could simplify your tech stack. You know, what have you seen people do that, that you know, brings that to life? We do it as part of our strategy. So part of our playbook, we'll get in a room of people and we'll literally throw a big whiteboard up and we'll say, all right, like, where, do you, where do you get your work done? And within a team, for example, we work recently with a team of 15 people. They had about 20 different tools that they used for, for how, they used, how they got their work done. But there was a bearing an opinion of why would we use this tool for this purpose? Mm-hmm. So they would use this tool for communicating, this tool for documenting, this tool for storing, but they weren't in consensus on what tools they were using and for what purpose. So as a team, they kind of refreshed it and said, why don't we agree we'll use this tool as our database for storing information? Why don't we use this tool as a team for how we're going to communicate with each other for this purpose? Mm -hmm. So simplifying their tech and the communication stack and getting to consensus as a team, now they're at a point where they can thrive in their new way of working because they don't have to guess and look and search. They, They know exactly how their workflow is going to work, technically speaking, and that allows them to step back and work more seamlessly easier and produce better quality work. Which, which, that's, oh God, that's just so brilliant because like when you think about it, if you're customer or client facing, right? Like we don't have a choice. You know, we have, we have a partner who prefers and requires teams. You know, we have a partner who prefers and requires WebEx. We, you know, it, you name it. And so when you're in that customer client facing world, you have to be flexible. You know, you have to accommodate so what you can control, though, to your point is internally, you know, don't have like three different ways in which people are connecting and communicating, you know, don't have teams, don't have Slack, don't, you know, like, there's like, I, I look even, right, like in our internal system within Next Step, we've got a variety of communication channels, like the best thing we could do is like, this is going to be it, this is going to be that one channel, you were going to make a point, Denise, I saw you, Yeah. Bringing it down to one. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking yeah. earlier, you know, reducing those tools and just setting the community. Like, for example, if I email one of my team members, we have like a 24-hour rule where we know we're desiring a response to 24 hours. But if I call or text on one of my teammates, they're like, something's on fire. We know because we have, we designed that communication yeah. kind of protocol around the tools that we use allows us, because we are a virtual first team, allows us to kind of really jive together in this way of working. And And above all, you have to be comfortable in and engaging in the tools that your customers and clients require, right? Mm-hmm. So as I look at, um, you know, how we serve like our members and our volunteers, and we're looking at, we've, we've got a fabulous new head of technology and he's helping us explore new and different types of platforms, but, it, you know, you can't have 10, <laughs> right? One, you need to simplify it. Um you you also talked about um, Denise when we when we were prepping for this show, um, like those those top like skills that in this this hybrid environment, you as a leader or even just as a successful employee need to really be developing and and flexing right. 
go through those that it was the, you know, the analytics, analytic thinking, active learning, those, I thought that was so interesting because if you're going to thrive as either a leader or a member of a hybrid community, and this is where Todd and group can help (laughs) develop them, but what, what are those successful skills so that leaders make sure they know they're developing their teams in this realm so that they can be successful and thrive in a hybrid environment? So that's where I'm in favor of technology when we simplify it and put it in place, then it can automate the work that we do and or really Mm. serve us to just with less manual work, more automation, then we can step back and be ourselves. At the end of the day, that's what companies want. They want us to ideate and create in new ways. So some of the skills that we look at are simply the human skills, those interpersonal skills. Again, EQ. The EQ is huge. EQ is the most important skill that you can have because We only ever make a decision because we want to feel a certain way, whether it's I'm hungry. I don't want to be hungry, so I'm going to go make lunch. I want to feel more accomplished, so I'm going to to learn something new. We only ever make a decision because we want to feel a certain way or we want to avoid a certain feeling. So when you understand your own emotions and EQ, then you can make better decisions around that. So we actually lead with empathy-based trust empathy and EQ-based trust as the leading skill in the future of work. And if a team can develop that individually and as a team, they're going to be just fine. So some of the interpersonal ones of empathy and trust and how we see each other, but more practically, we think about um, complex problem solving right? and analytical thinking, which is inextricably tied to active learning and learning strategy, which is why I was so excited to have speak with Todd on this podcast today because we can kind of illuminate the connection between the two. They are essentially one and the same. Yeah, no. And it's like, we had to reinvent our lives, you know, our families, you know, our households, our jobs. That's complex problem solving in itself. And, and it is so, so with that, so Todd, let's, let's shift to you then. How, how could you enable complex problem solving <laughs> with a virtual learning environment? <laughs> how would one go about doing that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, great, it's a brilliant one. And I, I think, you know, this, this is one of the takeaways I was going to offer to folks is that there's still a point where knowledge is important, where the basics of knowledge exposure and knowledge acquisition is, yeah. is key. And yeah. especially when I think about maybe traditional technically oriented skills, where we talked about a few of those basics of digital literacy, cybersecurity, blockchain, cloud computing. There's a time and a place where basically self-directed, content-oriented consumption makes sense for those. But the ones that Denise just described and that we are I'm in violent agreement, as is our entire <laughs> client base, that those are the big ones that takes a new approach. It takes a new approach about how you go about, you can't just throw content libraries upon content libraries or give people access to e-learning modules on a learning management system and hope they get it. They require two big things. Practice application, Sarah, you nailed it. That idea of this opportunity for you to both consume, but also then turn around and quickly contribute or at a time and a place to contribute. So I can create this idea of sort of this this iterative application, I continuously improve upon these things. There's work scenarios or work submissions into my digital learning system where I'm getting part two, the most important one, discussion and feedback, right? 
we're social animals. We learn socially, we develop and hone socially. So being able to allow, and it doesn't always have to be broadcast to the world, which I think is a bit of a misapproach that folks are taking saying, ah, I need to put it up on my internal public Slack channel, my work product of high sensitivity. It can be in a safe environment, being able to do that right. in more of a closed spot where maybe it just goes to sort of a, a smaller intimate team, you know, digital sort of based team to start, and then you can open the aperture to others. So, uh, you know, that idea of just foundationally rethinking, especially with leadership, but, but all skills around getting away from consum- consumption and factoring in aspects of practice application, discussion, and feedback. Does it mean you have to go out and buy new tech? No, not always. You can look at what the systems and the tools that you have. But I would say that's sort of my part too, is I'm a huge proponent of simplifying one's tech stack, especially the learned tech stack and thinking of it like yeah. system of record, system of discovery, universal access and engagement, and then this idea of system of engagement. And that's a lot where Novoid plays is where is that time spent? If you're asking to develop critical thinking, problem solving, that means shared experience and sort of cohort models doing the back and forth. Um, so I think that's, I meld a little bit of one and two from best practices in there or, or suggested the uh, forward paths, but I think those become so important. Oh my God, I'm just sitting here like I had this epiphany. <laughs> Big fail. <laughs> we like in COVID, um, you know, and at the end of the day, it, it starts and ends with me as the leader, right? But <laughs> we gave our team access to this incredible library of just like, you know, hundreds of different content modules. And we're like, why aren't they using it? <laughs> <laughs> Fail. <laughs> no. Okay. So humbly admit that. <laughs> no, but two two key things. The the one and you and you kind of referenced it indirectly, but it's it's as much about okay, learn the concept, put it into play. You know, you know, bring the attitude and the behavior. Practice, practice. You know, but coaching is so key, and that's the beautiful thing of how, you know, a simplified tech stack, it can facilitate coaching so much more successfully. And then talk a little bit too about the learning hour. Yeah. I heard this concept and 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 I'm going to I'm going to give full credit Ida Please Lou. Do. Ida Lou from Citibank, she's going to speak at our upcoming conference and she shared that she had created within Citibank, they'd created a learning hour. So speak to those two, because yeah. I think those are interesting concepts as well. Yeah, let me take the latter first, because it's it's brilliant. And I would say that, you know, if, if folks are going to be doing one thing about sort of um, uh, elevating the focus of sort of their productivity, operational efficiency, execution in the workplace, it's, it's driving towards a culture of continuous learning. And one of the most sort of valuable ways to do that is to put a stake in the ground with something like, we're going to have a learning hour. We are going to make a declarative from top, from C-suite, board above to say, listen, yeah. this is this named opportunity and, and, and candidly and ask a directive of ask. Not, we're not going to tell you how to go about doing it, but we're going to create a whole bunch of resources, experiences, give you access to peers, but we're, we're man, sort of a bit of a mandate, a, sort of a, a charter a call to action to go forth and spend time developing that sense of be curious. How do you, how do you habituate folks to the construct of learning? Well, make it a named effort, a named hour, you know, every right. week. And we've got folks that if you haven't read um, uh, The Curious Advantage, Simon Brown, one of the authors of that um, brilliant learning leader out of Novartis, had it a huge audacious oh, goal. Yeah, yeah, 100 learning hours, 100 learning hours for every employee annually. 
like brilliant just to put a stake in the ground about it. Um, So that, I think that's a, that's a huge one to sort of drive, drive towards that, um, uh, that piece of it. As to the, the sort of the the, uh, the former around this idea of sort of the coaching component and folks, you're, you're watching technology pop up left and right around yeah. coaching apps and this piece. And the biggest part of it is how do you scale it? At the end of the day, right, it becomes this very sort of one-to-one construct and there's power in that. But I think one of the secret sauce elements of this is, and we use, I'll use this learning term of we call polysynchronous, which is learner to content, learner to learner and learner to facilitator or coach. And if you can create environments mm-hmm. through tech that allow the basically co-location of those, those pieces and those experiences, watch sort of the rocketing of, of productivity and sort of learning aperture open up at your organization. Um, because that that's not how we've traditionally organized workplace learning, you know, you know, ILT of old, again, highly valuable, highly productive awful to scale to this pivot to self-directed learning, which was great for content access on demand. You have access to thousand assets, but what, what do I do with that? It doesn't, it's, it's too much noise, not enough context for, especially for adult professional learners. And so thinking more of this model of co-locating content people place into this place of learning around those areas, I think is big. Yeah. Denise, your thoughts. You know, my thought is, my overriding thought is actually, I think that life should be a TED talk. Everything in our life should be a TED Talk. We consume too much of everything, food, media, other people's problems. We're constantly consuming. We're Absolutely. Distracted. So life should be a TED Talk. We can simplify it. And then go back to the coaching point. Um, we actually train through the language and techniques of career coaching. So all of our facilitators are trained coaches because we believe that the shift into new ways of working is 50% mindset shift and 50% skills and techniques, which makes our kind of programming impactful. But a big component is like when we work with people leaders, which is where our heart is, because we believe they bear a huge mm-hmm. amount of responsibility for success in, in hybrid ways of working, is that we kind of coach and train them on, you know, in a traditional setting, a manager was about coordination of work amongst other things. But in a virtual first world, in an async world with all these new collaboration technologies, it's a little way less about coordination and far more about being that kind of coach and mentor to your team, which requires for the people leader layer in any org, a whole new level of thinking and a shift upwards about coaching. But, you know, Todd, to go back to your point about scaling coaching, I mean, my perspective on coaching is that it is very powerful and it's about, you know, eliminating your limiting beliefs, which all of us carry them, right? And building up some positive constructs. I don't know how you can do that with technology. And I think that maybe you scale by role modeling. So if you find that key layer in your org, which can be made available to, to coaching, then you can role model as positive behaviors. And I think then you can build positive momentum because role modeling is so powerful. Uh, yeah. yeah. And the quick parallel that I'll, I'll offer, and I know we're getting short on time, Sarah, but this idea of um, mimicking the, the nature of what it means to be a, to be a leader, a people leader, in, in, I, it needs to translate to L&D. That's the other big takeaway for folks, right? So let's get Absolutely. off of the sage on the stage and get more to guide on the side. And that doesn't have to be individual named people leaders only. It can be your peer network. Some of the smartest, most intelligent, most sort of uh, rich uh, knowledge resides inside your own organization. So stop looking outward. Look, look looking more to that. Guide on the side. I love that. Yeah, no, it's so true. Because it's like it, the humble leader knows <laughs> they're only going to be as successful as their team. Right. And it, it like I always I always joke, I just want to get out of my team's way, you know, because they're the ones that are bringing the mission to life, not me. And what do I need to do to set them up for success? Todd, 
Um, Denise, you are fantastic. Thank you so much you. for for joining us today. And I know everybody is walking away with like at least twelve <laughs> great, you know, tips or approaches that they can adapt. Uh, for those of you who've been listening in today, thank you, thank you. Um, we are so grateful for you as as audience members and Voice America. As always, thank you for giving you know me and. Next up, our opportunity to share our voice and our mission with all of you, but most importantly, to be able to share such incredible thought leaders as like a Todd and, and Denise with all of you and to shot, you know, shine the spotlight on them. We are going to post all sorts of links um, for Novo Ed and for Sway Workplace. So my sense is you're going to want to reach out to both groups and please do. To learn more about Next Up and to listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at nextupisnow.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you for always listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.